This is Flipping the Script Podcast, the soon-to-be number one leadership podcast for purpose-driven leaders and great guest experts who give us a unique insight into what leadership looks like behind the scenes. I'm Shalia Stafford, your host, and I'm committed to helping you lead your challenges using leadership strategies to gain new perspectives, fuel your growth, and transform the way you execute on your success. Welcome back, everyone. It's Shalia here. As Valentine's Day approaches, it's important to remember that the most important relationship that we have is the one with ourselves. In this episode, we'll be discussing how to develop a healthy and nurturing relationship with ourselves and why it's crucial for our overall well-being and happiness. We'll be talking about the importance of self-care and what self-love looks like as we take the practical steps to cultivate a relationship with ourselves that is not only supportive, nurturing, but also fulfilling. We're going to explore the concept of attachment styles and how they can impact our relationships with others. And let me tell y'all, I am obsessed with the idea of attachment styles and where it can take us. At least the baseline of the foundation that they provide to help us conceptualize where we stand and where we wanna go. Finally, we're gonna take a close look at the health of our relationship with ourselves and how we can assess whether it's a healthy or toxic relationship that we have, not with our or the special people in our lives, but with ourselves. By the end of this episode, you'll come away with a greater understanding of how to cultivate a healthy relationship with yourself, practical tools that you can use to build self-compassion and lead a more fulfilling life. How do you guys celebrate Valentine's Day? Let me tell you, I have very fond memories of picking out Valentine's Day cards and being so excited in the early stages of my childhood going through elementary school and getting the opportunity to go through all of the Valentine Day notes that were received in class, and then that natural progression of getting roses that were delivered in school by special friends. And eventually, as we got older, as we all eventually do, being able to enjoy that special day with that intentional time with your special someone. Today, I have more than just one special someone. And by that, I mean my little ones or not so little big ones, because I do have a teenager. And I now have the opportunity to create new traditions with them on what this day means. And what has been so important for me is to teach them how to create intentionality around this day besides the facade, so to speak, that come with the celebration of this day taking the time to do the things that we can control. Look, in the hustle and bustle of being a parent, a working mom, a human being who is just sometimes working on two cups of espresso to get me through the day, I know that the realities of what we can actually execute on some of these special moments, quote unquote, special days, these celebrations like Valentine's Day can sometimes leave us with Pinterest versus reality. And I want to prepare them for the reality of what we can control. So for me, it's been really important to write them a note about how special they are and the things that I love about them and to cook them a special dinner, even if that means it's a sandwich but we take the time to spend it together and have some dessert and some bubbly drinks that they enjoy and bring them into the presence of the simplicity of the day-to-day, hoping that they get to have and plan for more in life as their time comes. But then again, look, life can get crazy. Y'all know what I'm talking about. 
Okay, so before we jump into today's episode, I want to share some fun facts about Valentine's Day with you guys. Did you know that Valentine's Day is the second largest card-sending holiday after Christmas? There's approximately 145 million cards that are exchanged on Valentine's Day. The first Valentine's Day letter is thought to have been written in 1415 by Charles, Duke of Orleans, to his wife while he was in prison in the Tower of London. The red rose is the traditional flower of Valentine's Day, symbolizing love and passion. The heart shape is a common symbol of Valentine's Day, and it is said to represent the heart of St. Valentine. In Finland, this was actually very neat. In Finland, Valentine's Day is called Friends Day. There is a word for it, but I am not going to try to pronounce it. But it is a day for celebrating all forms of love, not just romantic love. In Japan, Valentine's Day is for women to actually give chocolate to the men in their lives. And a month later on March 14th, which is known as White Day, men give gifts to the women who gave them chocolates. All right, let's take it back over to medieval times. In medieval times, young men and women would draw names from a box to see who their valentine would be. This practice gave rise to the saying, to wear your heart on your sleeve. The most popular Valentine's Day gift is drumroll please, chocolates, followed by flowers and jewelry. The first Valentine's Day candy box is said to have been created in the late 1700s by a British chocolatier who made a heart-shaped box for his customers to give to their sweethearts. And in some countries, such as Denmark and Norway, Valentine's Day is celebrated by exchanging pressed white flowers called snowdrops. Go figure. Okay, so there you have it. You have 10 fun facts about Valentine's Day to give you some food for thought about how globally Valentine's Day is celebrated. Interestingly enough, as it stands, we know that Valentine's Day is celebrated on February 14th each year, and it has a long and complex history. Let me take you on a little journey on a brief overview of that timeline. So the origins of Valentine's Day are not necessarily crystal clear, but there are several theories about its origin. One theory is that the holiday originated from the Roman festival of Lupercalia, and I'm probably pronouncing that 100% wrong, but it was celebrated in mid-February and was associated with fertility and the coming of spring. Another theory is that the holiday was established to honor St. Valentine, who was a Christian martyr who was imprisoned and executed for secretly marrying couples in ancient Rome during a time when, get this y'all, marriage was banned. The holiday became associated with love and romance in the high Middle Ages and when the tradition of courtly love flourished. And by the 15th century, Valentine's Day was associated with love and romance in Europe, and it was later introduced to England and the Americas by settlers. Today, Valentine's Day is celebrated in many countries around the world as a day to express love and affection towards loved ones. Okay, another thing that I want to point out is Valentine's Day is celebrated in many countries around the world, but it is not a universally recognized holiday. Some countries and cultures do not celebrate Valentine's Day 
because they have their own cultural traditions for expressing love and affection or because they don't view the holiday as significant. In some countries such as Saudi Arabia and Malaysia, the celebration of Valentine's Day is discouraged or even banned due to religious or cultural objections. In these countries, sometimes you'll see authorities take steps to prevent public displays of affection or the sale of Valentine's Day related items. And in addition, remember, some individuals may choose to not celebrate Valentine's Day for personal reasons, such as the lack of interest or a belief that the holiday is too commercialized. Some people may also feel that the holiday places too much emphasis on romantic love and they prefer to focus on other forms of love and affection. And let me tell y'all something, this resonates with me. This I am becoming more and more aware of the commercialization that we have around the holidays, especially in the United States. And it is important for me to shine the light on the healthy foundations that help us thrive during complex and shifting environments. And that includes relationships. So instead of focusing on the romance, purely on the passion and the love, which is incredibly important, we have to focus on the foundation that nurtures the challenges that arise in relationships. And the relationship that I want to talk to you about today is not the relationship with your sweetheart or that special someone in your life. I want to chat with you about your most important relationship that you will ever have. And that is the relationship with yourself. I know that sometimes it can feel that the most important thing is to show love to others. But remember, the most important relationship that you have is the one with yourself. And it's crucial that we learn to develop a healthy relationship with ourselves because it can and will affect all aspects of our lives. Look, we know that we don't want to be in a relationship that is toxic and destructive. We are working towards creating as much consciousness and awareness around our relationships, but we also have to take that same energy and look at the relationship that we have with ourselves? Do we sometimes find ourselves bullying ourselves, being toxic with ourselves? But what I want to do is talk about some concrete steps that you can take to cultivate that healthy relationship with your first. And that first step is take continuous time to get to know yourself, the different aspects of yourself that are evolving. You are not the same person that you were a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. Your life has shifted and evolved. What you value has evolved. And because your environment changes, your story evolves with you. And so do the things and so do the ways that you express who you are and what you value, your strength your weaknesses. And it's important for us to continuously take time to evaluate what our goals and aspirations look like today now that we've evolved. When you're getting to know yourself, start by setting some time for self-reflection and introspection, being careful not to overanalyze this part. There is actually a study done. I cannot quote it off of the top of my head, but um, there's a book called Insight. And in this book, they talk about how the people who had the greatest ability to introspect were actually the least of happiest individuals. And that's because most of us don't have the right filter 
when we are introspecting. We haven't updated the filter that we're supposed to use to help keep us in a growth mindset and working within the limited beliefs and the self-sabotage and the coping mechanisms that we have. And we can get in a place of ruminating because our mind likes to confirm what the subconscious has developed to believe is true. So set time to self-reflect and make sure you introspect, but introspect based on a guideline that helps you create a growth mindset and has a filter that allows you to consider your emotional intelligence, your values, your aspirations. Okay, so it's been said to keep a journal and to record your thoughts and feelings so that you can track your progress over time. And I have to admit, this is one that I have fought for a long time. I'm not much of a journaler, if that's a word, but I do admire those who are capable of taking the time to journal, to write what's going on. And I've learned now more than ever in my journey how important it is to be able to sit with my mind and to sort the thoughts, observe the thoughts, and then sort them in what's going on in my head. And that's led me to explore different strategies that allow me to do that. And journaling has been one of those where I can write my thoughts as I'm observing them and be able to categorize where they belong and to be able to see sometimes just how harsh I can be on myself and realize I am in a toxic relationship at times with myself and this is not my big picture. This is not where I'm going and this is not how I want to lead this story and it gives me some perspective to shift where I'm going. And then of course, always consider working with a therapist or a coach to help you gain additional insights into yourself and and develop the strategies that you need for growth because sometimes it's hard for us to take ourselves out of that ruminating stage or self-sabotage stage and to really see what things are for what they are. Okay, number two, practice self-care. Look, I'm not saying self-care by going to get a massage. I'm talking about self-care by being able to attune to what you are feeling and what you are needing. And these are simplistic things, these complex simplicity, because this requires us to have emotional awareness where we can name our emotions and understand what emotion is being felt physiologically in the body. And then to be able to say what you are feeling and what you need and give yourself the space to regulate and process what is going on so that you can attune properly to yourself and get into a regulated state where you are feeling safe internally. There are other things you can do as well that help create the right state of mind to continue to attune to yourself and reduce the limiting beliefs and the self-sabotaging and the ruminating and the coping mechanisms that can happen. And we have to attune to these things greater when we are trying to do big things. And big things can mean creating alignment within ourselves coming back home to who we are and choosing to be our authentic self. And these things may sound so basic, but let me remind you that these are the very strategies that build the foundation for practicing self-care. And it goes back to the basics, making sure that you exercise regularly, whether it's going for a run, doing yoga, lifting weights, taking a walk, moving your body, getting sunlight in the morning to help regulate your system, prioritizing your sleep and making sure you're getting enough sleep and rest each night and eating nutritious food. That's the basics of self-care. And look, get a massage every now and then. Those things are important too. Okay, number three is practicing self-compassion. This one's hard. 
It's really hard. I'm not going to lie. It's hard. Okay. Let me put this into context. It is hard when we are in a triggered stress and challenge state. It's hard when we are in the tunnel and we can't see anything around us and we forget all the books that we've read and everything we've discovered through meditation and through talking to our therapists. When we are triggered and we are challenged and we are in that tunnel state, it is so hard to have self-compassion, but it is critical in order to reduce the impact that we would feel when we're in this tunnel and to be able to create that clarity and that peace that we desire, even through the rawness of what life can bring us. So how do you practice self-compassion? Well, when you make a mistake or you fall short of your expectations, watching the voice that you have inside of you and what you're telling yourself about what it means on the experience that you just have, making sure that you're not beating yourself up and that you are able to allow yourself to be human without an attachment to an outcome and it creating the self-worth of who you are. So important. This next one is setting boundaries. Setting boundaries is that you can clearly communicate how something makes you feel, what you need, and creating consequences around that boundary when it is not met, but also anticipating when a boundary may not be met and the extra quote unquote coaching you may have to do if you feel that that relationship is in a state where you can give some grace around those boundaries, but setting boundaries and saying no when you need to. It's important to prioritize your own needs to take a break when you're feeling overwhelmed and it starts with boundaries. Okay, number four, showing yourself some appreciation. When was the last time that you took yourself out on a date to do something that you enjoy? I mean, it could be as simple as going to Target and buying a lipstick, going through the Starbucks line and ordering a drink that you enjoy and reading a book, or simply going upstairs and laying in bed and looking at your phone and consciously disassociating and letting it be okay. It's important that we're able to show ourselves appreciation in the way in which it means most to us. And that can be through cooking special meals or treating ourselves to our favorite restaurant spending time with friends and family who you feel their energy uplifts and supports you, who allows you to be you without expecting you to be a certain way, think and feel a certain way and just be. Like developing a healthy relationship with yourself is an ongoing process and it's important to be patient and kind with yourself as you learn and evolve with time and lots of practice with our evolved self, which is continuously happening. We can cultivate a healthy relationship with ourselves which can lead to a more fulfilling life. Look, I cannot talk about a relationship, any kind of relationship without talking about attachment styles. Attachment styles refer to the way that we form and maintain emotional bonds with others. There are four primary attachment styles that are talked about. There's different variations, but there is a secure attachment style, anxious preoccupied attachment style, dismissive avoidant detachment style, and fearful avoidant. Each of these styles has a unique characteristic and responds differently to triggers, stress, challenges, and conflict. And I cannot tell you enough that when I learned about attachment styles and also the work of the Gottman Institute, it changed absolutely everything about the way that I approach relationships because it gave me a framework. It gave me a baseline to assess what would not Jesus do, but what would a securely attached person do when they are triggered, when they are stressed, when they are challenged, and when they are handling conflict. Because this helps you understand if you can reverse engineer it, what is a constructive, healthy, and secure way to be in a relationship 
relationship, even when it gets rough. We're going to talk about this in the next episode. I'm going to actually leave it here because this in itself is a whole episode that I am so excited to talk to you about. But I will say this, if you haven't already learned about attachment styles, I highly recommend that you go check it out, figure out which attachment style you are. The goal is to work more towards having a secure attachment style. We never are fully, it's more a spectrum. We move back and forth, but the more that we can learn how to speak, feel, think, and act in that direction, we can reduce some of the negative impacts that can arise in relationships. But primarily, I want you to think about that relationship with yourself. As Valentine's Day approaches, I encourage you to take this time to dive in deeper into the evolved relationship with yourself and celebrate the adventure that you're on to create and to evolve while leading the raw, vulnerable, and imperfect parts of the human experience. To our listeners, the ball is in your court. I challenge you to take action, evolve your story, challenge your comfort zone, and create a healthy foundation with the relationship you have with yourself. You are listening to Leadership Beyond the Title. Happy Valentine's Day. We'll see you on our next episode. If you found even the smallest nugget of wisdom in this episode, share it with a friend and your friend will thank you. Let's continue the conversation with like-minded leaders and join us on Facebook at Go Flip the Script. Until next time, I challenge you to incorporate what you learned today to evolve your leadership impact.